team members and do that. All right. So uh, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, if just if, if all this is foreign to you, just go to Google, put in iTunes, go to iTunes and put in all things Bible study. Look at your neighbor say all things Bible study. And uh, these are a little bit more lighthearted, but uh, they talk about all this. Everybody ready? Acts 20, 20. And how I kept nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly. Everyone say publicly. And from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. It is anointed. I pray that you would help me to say a lot in just a little bit of time. Bless your people and advance them in the work and in the labor of the Lord. In Jesus' name, shout amen. 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 Shake your neighbor's hand. Give them a great big God bless you. You may be seated. In our text this uh, morning... Paul is giving a farewell address to the church in Ephesus. He calls for the elders and begins to go down a list of things that he did in order to plant and establish a church in that city. He begins by telling them that in all seasons he served God with humility of mind, tears, and many temptations. Paul then goes on to reveal the actual means by which he raised up the church in Ephesus. He says that he withheld nothing from them that was profitable. How did he do this? By teaching them both publicly and house to house. By publicly, the Apostle Paul means that he preached to them in synagogues or houses of worship. By house to house, he means that when they were not assembled in some sort of a building... He personally gathered with them in their homes and taught them. This was not just fellowship. This was not just getting together. It was actually studying and examining and explaining the scriptures inside of a house. In fact, this is not part of my notes, but this is what Paul would be doing just a few short years before he died as well. This idea of God's word being taught from house to house was not original with Paul. It was and is central to Jewish life. Paul was a Jew. It was the way that things had always been done. In Exodus chapter 12 verses 1 through 3, and I believe Brother Haddon has already been touching on this, it specifically commands the Jewish people to celebrate the Passover in their homes a custom they continue to this day. Furthermore, they were commanded to call their neighbors over if need be. And the head of the house was then to explain the meaning and the significance of the Passover to all attended. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus himself commanded his disciples to go win the lost sheep of Israel. How did he do this? By going house to house or by telling his disciples to go house to house. The Jews of old taught house to house. Jesus taught house to house. Jesus commanded his disciples to teach house to house. Paul taught house to house. In Acts 2 and 46, they went house to house. 
In Acts 5 and 42, they went house to house daily. In Acts 10, the first Gentiles received the Holy Ghost in a house. In Acts 16, Lydia is converted in her house and then asks the disciples to teach the word in her house. In Acts 16, the Philippian jailer brings Paul and Silas to his house and his whole family believes. The word of God and the people of God must take what we have outside the four walls of the church. And we must do that intentionally, doctrinally, and daily. Can I say this? At the turn of the century, Christians from every denomination begin to ask some very simple but fundamental questions. What mode of baptism is scriptural? Several people from the Nazarenes to the Seventh-day Adventists to the Methodists to Catholics to Baptists, you name it, concluded that baptism in the name of Jesus Christ rather than the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost was the accurate mode of baptism. Furthermore, some people begin to ask themselves, what is this pattern in Acts 2, 8, 10, 19 of people receiving the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues? They further went on and said, what is this other pattern we see of a single God, not three? And they concluded with the fundamental doctrines that we cherish today of one God, receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and baptism in the name of Jesus. These are, doc- these are plainly observable doctrinal truths. When it comes to evangelism, we should be doing the same thing. What we have to ask ourselves is what mode of evangelism best accomplishes the scriptural demand to make disciples. What can I do that will allow me to satisfy the command of 28.19, Mark 16, Matthew 28.19, Mark 16, Luke 24, and others? What can I do? A lot of times we never stop and ask ourselves, if Jesus told me to go make disciples, how do I do that? Everybody has a goal. Everybody has a goal, but what we need is a plan. And a plan and a goal are not the same thing. The goal is to have a thriving church. But what's the plan? The goal is to win souls. Fine. But what's the plan? The goal is to have more kids in Sunday school, more adults on the pew. That's fine. That's the goal. But what's the plan? And a lot of people confuse the plan and the goal. And they think the goal is the plan. We have got to have a plan. I personally believe that Bible studies between two, three, four, five people is the best plan. And it is the most doctrinal plan. It is the most scriptural plan that is offered to us. I really believe that. Um, I have tried... Just about every form of evangelism you can imagine. I really have. I'm not afraid to tell you that. I've even tried um, other forms of house-to-house ministries. 
I have concluded, and I've, I've now been preaching for over 19 years. Uh, I'm now probably on my third church. I have concluded that at the end of the day, the best thing that I can do is teach Bible studies one-on-one. I'm not even big on two-on-one, and occasionally I'll do three-on-one. But what I am really out for is that one-on-one, 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 one-on-one. And a lot of people might be saying, well, Brother Prado, Pastor Prado, what is that going to accomplish? Let me tell you something. Most apostolics, and I've been in apostolic Pentecost a long time, most apostolics by the end of this year will not have won a soul. And I'd rather have one than none. So you need to start asking yourself, what do you want, one or none? Come on, let's do that again. You need to ask yourself, what do you want, one or none? I will take one. Because you know what I found out? Amen. That if you get one, that one knows someone else. And if you get, and can I tell you something else? This is a little apostolic pro tip. And there's some magic here. When you go out and just do what you're supposed to be doing, that one may not even be the one that comes at the end of the year. But as a result of obeying the word of God, as a result of trying to make a disciple, there will be other ones that will come in. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what else happens without you even knowing it when God has a bunch of people on the pew that are trying to make disciples the services get better the altar calls get better the prayer meetings get better the the Sunday school captains are finding new kids on the bus route because God knows this is a church that I can trust. This is a church that will take its time one-on-one. This is a group of people that cares about what they get their hands on. I want to show God that I care. I want to show God that if he gives me one person, I will take time with that one person to teach that person the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Can I tell you something? A con- conversion and discipleship are not the same thing. You can actually be converted and not be discipled. It happens all the time. People come up here, get the Holy Ghost, get baptized, go right out that back door. But you cannot be a disciple and not be converted. And there's my controversial statement for the day. But I'm telling you, we are not... Conversion is a byproduct of discipleship. Jesus knows this. And this is why Jesus told us, make disciples. We are converting a lot of people, every church, every church. Listen, folks, this is something we don't like to think about. But at the end of the day, you know what you're being judged by? The scrap pile. Nobody wants to talk about that. But when you, you know what? Jesus is not going to be like, wow, look at this beautiful thing you built. But there's a, a pile of scrap that reaches to the ceiling of people we've hurt, damaged, never discipled, that just went out the back door, that never got a Bible study, that nobody talked to, that nobody took out to lunch, that nobody saw once it... Come on, I I, I want to keep that scrap pile low. I want to keep it really low. And that's why I'm not worried about getting 10 Bible studies. I'm not even worried about getting five Bible studies. I tell everybody in our church, if you get two Bible studies, you're beasting it. You're doing really good. You're, yes, come on somebody. 
I, he's already gone. I don't think he'd mind me saying this. I was just talking to Brother Tuttle last night. He now pastors a large church. He said, he said you know what? For me, one Bible study is really good. One Bible study a week. I, I have people in my church with full-time jobs. They're in school. They have children. And they're doing one Bible study a week. But you know what? By the end of this year, we're going to have five more people in our church. Truth be told, we'll probably have more. Amen. But if we just get everybody at least trying to max out at two, it's amazing what will happen. Even in a church this size. A church... Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Do you want one or none? Do you want one or none? I at least want one. I want one. At least one person is. Come on, somebody. Let's. This is, this is, not, this is not algebra, calculus. This is not even com- complicated. If, if just. I don't know how many churches are represented here, but think about just the simplicity of this. If everybody just won one person. I know that sounds cliche-ish. I know that sounds overly simplified, but, but these are facts. If everybody won one person, our church would like double. If half the church won one person, the church would half double. I don't know, single. The church would single. Hallelujah. Let me, let me give you a very quick hermeneutic of what I mean by Bible study. And I don't mean to offend anybody here. I am not talking about gunshot Bible studies. I'm not talking about we meet once at Starbucks and I try to make the way I try to make my way to Acts two thirty eight as quickly as possible. All right, we ain't talking about that. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about handing them a track. I'm talking about I have a chart. I would like to meet with you once a week. For anywhere from a year to two. It got quiet. Thank you, Brother Brandon. Yeah. 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 You know what? Let's just be real. Let's just keep it 100 right here. What what are we doing with our time? You know, I'll tell you what we're doing with our time. As as time goes, and we spend less and less time with people who, who, who don't know the Bible, who don't know who Adam and Eve is, you know what happens? We start accumulating a language. We start accumulating behaviors. We start accumulating ways of thinking to where... I, I have met apostolics that have, have been at, brought out of the rubbles of the world, out of the residue of the world, and they've been in church so long and have not reached another soul that now they cannot even relate. They cannot even relate to the world they were brought out of. They no longer even have patience. You know, a lot of apostolics, they're, they're living that elevator Christianity. You know, you know what elevator Christianity is? You know, you push on that button, you want that elevator to come down real quick for you, and then you get in, and once you're in, you don't want it to stop. You just hold your finger on the button hoping it skips everybody else. You wanted everybody to have a one or two year span of patience with you, but where's your patience with somebody else? Who are you taking aside for a minimum of one? T- I'm saying I can already tell I'm losing some people. I am locked in, ready to go, and playing the long game. I will wear people out. I'm just in it for the long game. Because, listen, I don't know how else to say this. I really don't know how else to say this. It probably, it probably merits some clarity, but I'm just going to say this the best way I can right now with the little bit of time I have. 
I don't want all my friends just to be church folk. I should say all my connections, all my contacts. My friends, the people I hold dear to my life, those are church folk. But I guess what I'm saying is I don't ever want to get to the point where I have no more contact. No more contact with... It is a sad statistic. It is a sad statistic that the longer we're in church, the less people we win. It should not be that the oldest branch is producing the least fruit. This is not part of today's lesson. This is not very teaching. But let me tell you this. Some of you are in a whirlwind of trouble right now. Some of you are in and out of trials, and you keep asking God, why, why, why? And God is not happy. And I'm going to tell you what is going on, because it happened to me, and it happened to people in our church, and it, and it, and it happens everywhere I go. Amen. There are people who are not doing anything with what God gave them, and God will not have that. God said, I did not save you. I did not die on the cross for you to just chill up on the pew like gum and stay stuck to it. I won you so that you might win others. I won you so that you could go back to the Rodriguez family. I won you so that you could go back. Even Moses had to go back to Egypt. Come on, somebody. You got God didn't just save you so that you can... And I'm telling you, he'll send sickness, he'll send financial trouble, he'll send family trouble, he'll send all kinds of stuff to your house until you move, until you get it, until you say, you know what, Jesus, that... I'm telling you, that's what happened with me, Brother Wilmoth. I just got sick and tired of all the trials. I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And finally I said, God, what do you want me to do? And God said, I want you to do what you did when you were first saved. It didn't matter that I had preached all over the country. It didn't matter how many souls I had already won. The mission was not over. The command is still open. The... Come on, somebody. God. Somebody praise him right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's praise Jesus. There's a spirit of evangelism in here right now. There's a spirit of evangelism in here right now. Come on, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Right. You know what? Right now is a good time to raise your hands and say, Jesus, give me a Bible study. Jesus, give me a Bible study. Jesus, give me a Bible study right now. Hallelujah. Come on, pray. Pray that right now. Pray that. Pray that. Come on, let's pray that. I'd rather pray that than God deliver me. Hallelujah, because maybe that is the deliverance. Maybe that is the deliverance. Come on, hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Jesus. You know, I know what it is to be in a city and think to yourself, how are we going to do this? 
One by one. House by house. There is no other way. I don't believe in this field of dreams, church building business. Build it and they will come. No, they will not. You build whatever you want, paint it however you want, put wood pellets in the back and a nice shine, and they're not coming. Why? Why? What do you have to offer? Come listen to me talk. If you build it, they will not come. You must go. You must go. You have to go. You have to go. You have to put one foot in front of the other and go. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You need to go to your aunt's house, to your uncle's house, to your cousin's house, to your mom's house, to your father's house, to your brother's house, to your sister's house, and tell them we need to get a Bible study going. We need. You have to go. You must. You have to. It's a command. It's a command like Acts 2.38. It's a command like Deuteronomy 6.4. It's a command. It's a command. It's a command. They're not coming. You know what ought to be the word on the street? They're coming. Hallelujah. They're coming. Hallelujah. The word on the street ought to be... Hope Center's coming, amen. These folks are going to knock on your door till they wear the paint off the thing. They're coming. Oh, hallelujah. It's just not going to happen any other way. You can have all night... You think... Brother Brandon, I'm not saying this, and forgive me for calling you, but Brother Brandon Wilmoth, I'm not saying this to brag. I am not saying this to brag. You hear me good. I have better things to do. I used to pray six hours a day. I did. I prayed six hours a day. I won't even tell you how much I fasted. You know what happened when I was all done? God said, now Go. They ain't coming. Yeah, I was prophesying, praying, doing all kinds of fun stuff. But then nobody was coming. I was having visions, all kinds of stuff, getting revelations in the word of God. Nobody was coming. But when I decided to go, all of a sudden conversations at Denny's started breaking out. All of a sudden, knocking on doors turned into something. When I actually put the plan, the plan, when I actually started getting into the plan, and I, when I got the chart under my arm, a full stack of flyers in my hand, and just started not, you know what? Where are they? Rialto. Some of the Rialto folks. You've been to East Bay. You guys did. You guys helped me do outreach. You'll remember. I told you. I don't care if you don't get rid of all these flyers. I could care less. I could care less if you come back with a bottle of flyers. Just get me one phone number. Just one 
Y'all get me one phone number, and I'll be on it. I will call that person. I will wear them out. I will telemarket them. I will get on them for Jesus, and I will, I will exhaust that thing. I'm going to get my... Come on. This is no different than trying to save money. If, if I put... Even if I put $500 in my savings account right now, I wouldn't be that much richer. But accumulation, it has compound interest. It stacks up. The same thing goes for soul winning. You just do one, 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 one. I'm telling you the gospel truth. in a year facts Fact. and I'm, I promise you right now you'd come into church and something different would happen if 10 people here today just went back home and said you know what I'm going to get engaged in one Bible study right now and I'm, I'm there for the long run I don't, I don't care I don't care I'm going to be in it for as long as it takes I'm telling you you would change the atmosphere you would I got, I got, I got people walking around my city, grown men, big buff dudes with skirts that will knock you out if you make fun of their skirt. I got women that look like they got attacked with a bottle of peroxide. Hair all different color, piercings, tattoos, alternative lifestyles. But you know what? I'm committed. I'm committed, and their sin don't scare me. And their sin don't scare me. And their sin don't scare me. Because we're reaching them one by one. And we've got some of them. We got them. You can get them if you're patient, if you're kind, if you're committed, if you play the long game. What? I got to finish at 12, correct? How do I get a Bible study? How? How? Let's talk about that. Okay, number one, what should I teach? Brother Brandon Wilmoth will let you know. Okay. <laughs> I teach exploring God's word. I have a Bible study that will be out in a few months, weeks. It's, it's past due. Shout out. <laughs> but it should already be done. But it will be out soon. It will be, it'll be published. Uh, it's, it's great. But there's exploring God's word. There's search for truth. There's whatever. But just go out there and buy it. Buy the longest Bible study you can get your hands on. And don't get a big one. Get a little one. They make big ones. Don't buy that one. Buy the little one. Because you are doing the one-on-one. 
and I don't listen to the podcast and you'll find out why. But go out and get you a Bible study chart. That's step number one. Step number two, how do I get a Bible study? Here's the truth. Everybody here, I don't care, I don't care what you say. You can come up to me after service and say, well, pass me. I don't believe you. Everybody here has somebody in their immediate circle of friends and family that they can reach right now. I make no qualms about this. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Paul tells us to be condescending towards men of lower estate. That's King James English for find you somebody that really needs God. Brother Preston Brown is here right now. He just started a church out in Riverside. And you know where he went? He went out to those, what are they called? The, the riverbanks. River things. I can't hear what he's saying. Riverbeds. The riverbeds? The riverbeds. Where, where all the transient people are. Well, well, there's about three people that agree with that method, but praise God. But that's fine. But everybody has, if you just go low, if you just go low, and low doesn't always mean money, because there's some, there's some rich folks that are low lives. You just go low. You go low. You go for people that know that if God does not help them, they are in trouble. Come on. Come on. Come on. This is the plan. This is the plan. This is God's will. This is... Come on, come on, come on, come on. Brother Stigall, real talk. When you're starting a church, you, you don't have outreach, follow-up, fellowship departments. You don't have that. Some big churches don't have that. But when you go out and you are committed to a long-term Bible study, you do fellowship, follow-up, and discipleship all in one visit. That's right. Did you talk to Corey? I sure did. Twice this week. And I gave him the word. And I stayed for a few minutes after and ate. I don't even know what it was, but I ate it. And you just did three of the hardest jobs. That's the cool thing about long-term Bible studies. You wrap up all kinds of stuff. All into one. You consolidate your energies. You consolidate your time. Let me tell you the gospel truth. Most people don't want you all up in their business anyways. Most people are perfectly happy with you coming over just once a week. I'm telling you, you can consolidate so much time, so much energy, so much. I'm convinced. People may want to debate this, but they don't have the mic. I am convinced that there is no other more cost-effective form of evangelism than saints, good church folk, just teaching Bible studies. Cost us nothing. It's going to cost you maybe 30, 40 bucks. You're going to have to send it to Pentecostal Publishing House. But other than that, low overhead. It's cheaper than putting the guy in the monkey suit out out on the corner with the big sign, you know, that, like the one they use for taxes and all that, you know. 
little overhead. Consolidation of finances and time and energy. How do I get a Bible study? And I'm wrapping this up. Be nice. Like smile. Some of y'all ain't even smiling right now. Like smile. Shake hands. High five. Don't get creepy with kids, but you know, with adults, just... Where do I teach a Bible study? I only have five minutes left. Where do I teach a Bible study? Either at their house or at agreed upon location. Do not teach Bible studies at your house. It's getting quiet. Let me tell you something. People don't value what they don't pay for. The Apostle Paul told Timothy regarding winning sinners. He says, they that oppose themselves must recover themselves. He even tells them, in meekness, means be nice, in meekness. He says, teach them. He says, instructing them that oppose themselves, helping them to recover themselves. When you host the Bible study at your house and you make your favorite chicken dish and you clean up and you, you are not letting them invest in their own self-recovery. And guess what? You'll do everything for them and they'll start flaking three weeks in. Because they never paid for it. I know, I'm, I know I'm messing with some people. I'm telling you, I've done, this, I've done this so much, it's not even funny. I know what it is to teach somebody Bible studies, have my wife cleaning, we getting everything set up. Youth leaders know what I'm talking about. It's the kid that don't pay for the trip, that doesn't appreciate it. Taking the peak, they didn't pay nothing, and they come back, eh. You ain't going next year, bro. I don't know if you're here. You ain't going next year. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? But it's the kid. It's the kid. It's the girl, amen, that skipped out on buying a new pair of shoes and wore her busted ones to peak, and she paid, and she car washed, and she sold things, amen, and she comes back changed. She comes back missionary's wife, hallelujah. Praise God. It's the young man. It's the, listen, I got a home mission church. We got all kinds of folks that always drop hints on pastor, like, pastor, you know, we could use $230.57 right now, and I'm like, yeah, me too. Me too. But I know that if I jump in, I'm robbing them. Listen, I was a drug addict, so I could talk to you about self-recovery. One of the worst things that ever happened to me, even early on in my Christian experience, was that people jumped in where I was supposed to jump in. They should have coached me on how to fight for myself. They should have coached me on how to recover myself. They should have coached me on, hey, just, just keep pushing. Keep going this way. Keep going this way. I can't do it for you. I can point the way. I can show you the way. Yeah. But do not host the Bible study at your house. From the word go, meet at Starbucks. From the word go, meet at the public library. And if they'll let you in their house, go over their house. And when you're over their house, don't scoff. Don't let your facial expressions change. Sit down and teach your Bible study. And if you don't like the food they put in front of you, take it to go. Yeah, it's getting quiet in here. Well, I don't like curry. 
Bring it to me. I need curry in my life. Praise God. <laughs> go. Everywhere you go, be nice. Everywhere you go, smile. Everywhere you go, read the cashier's name and call them by their name. Everywhere you go, when they ask you how you're doing today, I'm blessed. Just got out of church, feeling good. Come on, this is just Christianity 101. This shouldn't be that hard. This is easy stuff. Come on. You could do this. You got this. You got this. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand of praise because you got this. You got this. Yeah, you got this. This is in your court. Come on. Come on. I'm done. Everything you need to know will be on our podcast. If you have any trouble finding out what a podcast is, come talk to me after church, after this, and I'll, I'll show you how to get there. Amen. But um, I feel something beautiful right now. I feel something beautiful right now. Do you feel that? I feel that. Let's lift our hands right now. Come on. Let's just catch this. I'm not just saying that to say that. Let's catch this right now. Brother Brandon Wilmoth, I really believe, hallelujah, that somebody today is going to land a Bible study. Today, not even tomorrow, today. Hallelujah, come on, come on, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. I think we ought to reach after what we're feeling right now. Come on, let's reach after, let's pursue.